Welcome to The Markets. Hello again, Orion Samuelson along with Max Armstrong here for our weekly look at market activity from Wall Street to the wheat fields to the feedlots. Dateline, Chicago, Friday, August 2nd, 2019. Already into the month of August, where has the summer gone? I guess it maybe hasn't lasted as long as it normally does because we couldn't move out of spring. But we begin, as we do every week, with our look at the numbers on Wall Street. Because Wall Street extended its sell-off today amid renewed trade fears, capping a week where the benchmark S&P 500 and the Nasdaq saw their worst weekly percentage plunges since December. And here are the numbers. The Dow Jones ended down 100 points at 26,482. The S&P 500 closed down 21 points, ending at 29.32. And the NASDAQ closed down 108 points for the day, and that put it at 8,002 at the end of the week. For the S&P 500, the, uh, for the week, the S&P fell 3.1%, the Dow lost 2.6%, the NASDAQ down 4%. And the S&P 500, the NASDAQ also suffered their biggest one-week percentage declines since late December of last year. And the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ fell for the fifth straight day. That's the longest losing streak in in five months. So let's look at some of the details of the activity today. The sell-off wrapped up a tumultuous week, which saw the Federal Reserve cut interest rates for the first time since 2008, and then the renewal of trade war fears following a tweet by President Trump announcing plans to impose additional tariffs on $300 billion of Chinese imports beginning September 1st. Some of the market reaction to that? Matthew Keeter of Keeter Group in Lenox, Massachusetts said, The irony is that these trade policies are creating an environment for the Fed to lend itself to further rate cuts. But the president is tweeting about hawkish trade policies and the market is going down because of it. And then the report from the Labor Department today showed that non-farm payrolls increased by 164,000 jobs last month. That was pretty much in line with economic expectations. But at the same time, the Labor Department lowered the numbers that uh, were reported in May and June. And second quarter earnings season passed its halfway mark. 380 of the companies in the S&P 500 have now reported, and of those, 74% have beaten analyst expectations. Exxon dropped or topped analyst expectations but fell year-on-year today, while Chevron's earnings rose 26%. Both of those reports pretty much in line with forecasts. Sprint Corporation shares down 5.8%, even after reporting fewer-than-expected phone subscriber losses in the quarter. And Restaurant Brands International jumped 6% after 
after quarterly profits topped expectations. It's not been an easy time because of competition for the uh, restaurant chains as well. And then looking at oil prices, gained about 3% for the day today, a day after recording their biggest daily drop in several years on the vow to impose more tariffs on Chinese imports. The Brent crude futures for October settled today at $61.89 a barrel, up a dollar thirty-nine cents for the day, and U.S. crude for September delivery settled at $55.66 a barrel, rising a dollar and seventy-one cents for the day. So that's what happened. That's the history. Now let's look at the future and what's ahead that we're going to deal with next week on the market side. Well, first of all, Walt Disney is expected to post an increase in its third quarter revenue Tuesday, helped by the success of Avengers Endgame, the end of a decade-long superhero series, and a drop in profit due to cost incurred to build digital services. Investors will look out for comments on the company's streaming service, Disney, expected to launch in November of this year. Thursday, Uber Technologies is expected to post an increase in its second quarter revenue as a public company. Investors will be looking out for comments on the company's timeline on turning a profit and updates on the recent protests by drivers against low pay and working conditions. Wednesday, the main competitor, Lyft, expected to post a rise in its second quarter revenue as a public company, helped by more riders using its platform. So uh, we'll be seeing those two delivery services of humans and other things. A Labor Department report on Friday expected to show U.S. producer prices rose slightly for the third straight month, edging up about two-tenths of a percent in July in the 12 months through July. The producer price index is expected to have risen 1.7 percent. Thursday, Kraft Heinz Company expected to report a big decline in first quarter earnings, hurt by soaring commodity costs and lower sales as consumers are opting for cheaper, healthier food. And this will be new CEO Miguel Patricio's first earnings report. It was delayed by over two months pending an SEC investigation into some of Kraft Heinz's accounting practices. Regeneron Pharmaceuticals expected to report higher second quarter sales on Tuesday as its eczema drug, Dupixit, snaps up approvals for treating different diseases. Investors will also focus on sales of Dupixent and Ilea, the company's biggest revenue generator at the moment. Thursday, media company Viacom expected to post an increase in third quarter revenue, helped by higher fees from U.S. cable and satellite operators. The investors will be looking for any comments regarding the merger talks with sister company CBS Corporation, which also will be reporting second quarter results the same day. 
CVS Health Corporation will report second quarter earnings this week when the company is expected to share details about the performance of its health insurance business, which it acquired as part of a $69 billion deal for Aetna last year. Capri Holdings expected to report higher first quarter revenue on Wednesday, boosted by sales from some of its uh, apparel brands where it's been spending heavily on expansion and marketing. Burger King uh, or Burger Chain Wendy's expected to post an increase in second quarter revenue and profit on Wednesday as it attracts more diners with its diverse menus investors will watch out for any comments on full year forecast and how the company's investments in digital initiatives and deliver and online delivery are paying off and then there's semantic corporation expected to post an increase in its first quarter revenue on thursday months after the cybersecurity firm in a surprise announcement replaced its chief executive officer greg clark with director richard hill on an interim basis Tuesday, Minnesota-based Mosaic Company, that's a major producer of phosphate and potash fertilizer, reports results from a difficult second quarter. Like all agribusiness companies, particularly those in the crop protection chemical industry and in the fertilizer industry, hurt dramatically by the wet spring and the delayed planting. Online lending marketplace, Lending Club, expected to report its second quarter results on Tuesday. That will come after the markets close. Video game publisher Activision Blizzard is expected to report a decline in second quarter revenue on Thursday. Investors will be looking out for the details on how much competition it's facing from free digital games such as Fortnite, and players unknown battlegrounds and on monday the world's biggest hotel chain marriott international expected to report a higher second quarter profit helped by higher room prices and meat producer tyson foods expected to report an increase in third quarter sales boosted by higher demand for chicken and pork and investors will be watching out for the impact of African swine fever. That's the fatal hog disease that started in China and now has pretty much spread worldwide, but not here in the United States, the country that this week uh, reported an expansion of numbers of African swine fever, country of Bulgaria. As a result, they have had to euthanize a large number of swine because that, at the moment, is the only way you can stop the spread of African swine fever. And we're still waiting to get some realistic numbers on how many uh, pigs have been euthanized or culled, whatever term you want to use, in China because that's where it started. And with the small backyard flocks or herds of pigs in China, difficult to get an accurate count of the impact, difficult to keep it from spreading as well. And uh, one researcher in the animal industry in China has said, this could be the worst epidemic of an animal disease that we have seen in the history of the planet. 
pretty strong statement, so uh, that's something that we need to get a handle on. Well, we're going to talk uh, the agricultural market, its reaction to the ongoing trade discussions and the lack of results. That will come when Max sits down with Greg Rowe of Archer Financial Services when we continue on the markets. Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. And early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation is here here to help. Greg Grow, Archer Financial Services joining us this weekend. Good to see you, sir. Uh, let's talk about this new month of August we're in now. It looks like temperatures are going to be fairly moderate for the at least the first part of the month, maybe warming up toward the end of the month. How bad is that? I guess it depends on where you are. Well, I think, it? you know, for those that planted late, uh, this cool off here in early August is going to be very beneficial as a lot of this corn is pollinating, you know, three or four weeks later than normal. So catching a little break in the weather at the time of the eastern corn belt begins the process, might be a little beneficial. What about that crop uh, being slowed down here, though, by cooler conditions? I mean, is it somewhat of a mixed bag? It's a mixed bag. You know, the early or the mid-July heat that we experienced was probably very beneficial to late-planted crops as it gave us, uh, you know, an increase in growing degree day units that the crop needs. Uh, from talking to people, you know, it's an uneven crop, depending on where you are. There's a lot of issues out there, especially in the eastern Corn Belt. But I think the heat in July was looked at as generally beneficial for late-planted crops. And we're going to need uh, another round of moisture here in mid-August and late August. But uh, right now, the forecast looks a little bit uh, benign going into the middle part of August. It is interesting how much it has dried out, especially in uh well, some of the eastern Corn Belt areas, Michigan, I think, is 50% short or very short of topsoil moisture. Michigan's in a tough spot, and uh, west central Illinois uh, had missed uh, some of these recent rains and is showing some dryness, too. So crop conditions, while improving slightly last week, are, are not uh, really changing a whole lot. So it's uh, going to be a really interesting issue as we get into the fall and see what kind of real yield we have. Is crop progress at this point maybe even more important than crop conditions? I mean, as we look at how far by behind in the development some of the crop is. Well, it's very obvious we're going to need a nice warm uh, September and uh, early October to finish this crop and get it black layered and get it free of frost uh, uh, threats. So that'll be watched very closely too. And all the crop tours will fire up here. Are they going to stagger? Have you heard? Are any of them going to be a little bit later this I haven't, year? I haven't heard much on that. We're uh, seeing some social media pics already from people out there wandering the countryside. Well, it's such a, uh, a unique crop this year that I don't think necessarily in a late August crop tour is all is going to be all that uh, a representative of, of true of true yield potential. It's it's going to be something that uh, you know maybe tourists in mid September and late September are going to be more more uh, on track. Will it be October before we really have a good handle on what's 
happened with these crops? Well, I think my suspicion is that uh, I continue to talk to a lot of people that see a very uneven crop. And despite crop conditions, they're one measure and one barometer we use to try and determine yield potential. But I think it's really going to be the combine in the field this year that tells us where this crop really is. Are you worried, Greg, about producers marketing based on what they see outside their kitchen window or outside their shop window or what they've seen entering some of their fields in tough areas? Well, I think it's been a good rally in the market. kind of came unexpectedly due to the conditions that we that we face this spring and early summer, and it gave uh, producers a chance to do some good marketing and, you know, in the four and a quarter to 450 range. And, uh, you know, even with uh, less than optimal yield potential, those are prices we haven't seen for a few years. And I think uh, producers have probably been able to avail themselves of that pretty well. But th- since those prices peaked, what, two to three weeks ago, we've seen gradual erosion, especially in the corn market. Soybeans uh, falling off wheat, I guess, has tapered off too, has it not, in this period of time? Well, the wheat market is well supplied globally. Uh, we did see some some down revisions to the Russian wheat crop, but generally the, the global wheat supply is uh, is, is good. Uh, yields here in the U.S. have been good. Uh, the strength in the U.S. dollar continues to hinder our ability to compete in the uh, global wheat market right now. Uh, wheat is uh, somewhat of a follower right now. I think the real issue is going to be corn. The balance sheet here in the U.S. is tightening dramatically with the down acres. The question is, how many acres have we lost? And that's really a debate point right now. We hope to get some clarity on August 12th. Well, we are just a little more than a week away from that next USDA report. How will people go into this report, given the shock that they got at the end of June with that acreage number? I think traders are squaring or kind of uh, squaring off the books. You've seen the funds liquidating a big piece of their long position in, in recent weeks. It's hard for funds, hard for speculators to remain long in the market uh, with growing conditions being somewhat neutral or benign right now, and that's causing some liquidation ahead of this report. I think there's also a growing suspicion that we may not lose as many acres had been, has, as had been touted earlier this year. Uh, some suggest that maybe we were going to plant more than the March intentions to begin with. Uh, hmm. The corn-bean ratio was very favorable to corn this spring, and uh, that's really the issue is uh, how many acres did uh, growers really intend to plant? Should uh, growers prepare for a shock? Potential shock in this report coming up? Well, I think it's going to be the kind of report where we may get a little bit disappointed on the USDA approach to acres. Mm -hmm. Uh, We may not see the kind of drop in acres uh, as has been talked about uh, for a while. But I think we're going to quickly turn to yield. And with a lot of variability across many areas of the Corn Belt from damage and flooding and all these different issues, uh, I think that's really going to become more of an issue in the market as we go forward after the August 12th report. That is often the case in these summertime reports, isn't it? The numbers come out, they are quickly digested, and everybody says, all right, now back to the weather. Now what's the weather look like? That's right. I was reading some of the comments this week out of the U.S. Grains Council meeting, and they're looking at emerging markets now with The whole world trade situation in agriculture turned topsy-turvy the way it has been in the recent months. They're talking about emerging markets such as India and Africa, developing those markets and the ethanol market in the world. Uh, That's where they see growth. Uh, ethanol is a, a good, bright prospect, is it not, globally down the road? Long term, I, I would imagine so. Right now, we're facing a glut of ethanol and weak margins here in the U.S. Plants are taking some downtime as we go into late summer. The run-up in cash corn prices here put a lot of them in a negative margin situation for the moment. 
Uh, getting back to your question, I think there's no doubt we're going to have to develop uh, new markets. Uh, we've been very dependent on the Chinese market for a number of years in agriculture, and we all know what's been developing there. And it's going to be incumbent on, uh, on agriculture here in the U.S. to seek uh, alternative routes. We've seen some recent estimates about what will be happening in South America, especially in terms of increased production coming along in both Brazil and Argentina. Uh, this isn't a, just a temporary one- or two-year flash in the pan, is it? I mean, from, from what you've seen looking down there, they're just going to continue to grow and grow and grow their output? Well, I think we've provided the market incentive for them to do so. Uh, the trade uh, patterns and global supply chains are shifting. There's always unintended consequences to situations like this, and South America is surely going to be a beneficiary. Greg Grow with Archer Financial Services. On the agricultural scene, there were a couple of stories this week that made me feel really good, then another story that made me feel really bad. But the first story has to do with a barn fire in Sharon, Wisconsin. That's just north of the Illinois state line. And it was an ugly fire, as Max Armstrong said, at a Wisconsin dairy farm fought for more than seven hours by 18 fire departments from two states, Wisconsin and Illinois. They used 200,000 gallons of water. But most important, no firefighters were hurt and no cause, no cows were injured. One firefighter said, Never ceases to amaze me the amount of neighbors from close by and far away who show up with cattle trailers and took the herd so they could be safe and could be milked. And to the firefighters from Sharon and the neighboring towns, 18 fire departments, they said, thank you for your service. Now, maybe it doesn't happen more often in rural communities, but I think it does. I think there's a neighborly feeling in rural America that says, when folks are in trouble, we have to help. And what a barn fire it was. The photos of it were stunning, really. And then the other story that made me feel good. I want to share this with you. The generosity and compassion of an 11-year-old 4-H member raised more than $10,000 in support of the Nick and Justin DeMille family the DeMille brothers of of DeMille Cattle Company went missing uh, in Missouri on July 21st. And while in Missouri on a business trip, on July 28th, a Bramer, Missouri man was charged in connection to their disappearance. They do not know where Nick and Justin are. Although officials do not know where they are, it has changed from a missing persons case into a death investigation. But in an effort to help this family, young 4-H member Mason Goregi donated the proceeds from the sale of the 246,000 pig at... uh, I should back up and say that again from the sale of his 246-pound pig at the Outagamie County Fair in Appleton, Wisconsin. And he donated the proceeds to the DeMel family. 
And he said, I was looking around and smiling, obviously, because, well, that's what I do a lot. And I was watching the crowd, and everybody was standing up and cheering, and a bunch of people were crying. That's Goregi speaking. He's a member of the Shooting Stars 4-H Club. And the buyer, EGI Mechanical, purchased the pig for $42 a pound. Steve Green, one of the 4-H swine superintendents, said it was a very good thing for the community and the family. It was very emotional to watch the ring staff, the auctioneers, and the buyers come together. But the idea came from the 4-H'er, Mr. Goregi. It was his own idea, and it came straight from his heart. Two good stories. Oh, there was a third story that I liked as well. The story that in Venergy, that's a leading Midwest-based developer and operator of sustainable energy solutions, recently announced a historic sponsorship of the National FFA Organization. Invenergy is the first sustainable energy company to establish a nationwide investment of this scale with the organization. The FFA, of course, prepares its members for leadership in careers in the science, business, and technology of agriculture. Invenergy's investment will support three of the organization's central program, the Blue Jacket program, and uh, also the career and leadership development events and the FFA National Alumni Network. But to do that, they established a new honor program for the National FFA, and God bless them for doing what they did. Then the story that didn't make me feel very good, that story from a county fair in Johnson County, Iowa. And there, animal rights activists decided they were going to put a damper on what was going on with the livestock events. And Sarah Krieger, who was a longtime fairgoer there, said... Animal rights groups have been going around and cutting halters and cutting the hairs off the tail of cattle, as well as letting the animals out. This has caused her to make extra efforts, needing to take her 12 show animals home every single day of the fair for the safety of the animals. She said, we've always felt secure here, and she can't understand why anyone would want to put the animals or other people at risk. She said if you let them loose, they're going to run through the fair, they're going to get caught up in something, run people over. These people love their animals and they are well cared for. I put more time and money into my horses than I do myself. And I loved this line. (laughs) If you want to support an organization that combats animal cruelty, you should join 4-H. But I was hoping that activities like this for the 4-H and FFA members who show livestock at fairs, I hope we'd put that all behind us, but apparently we haven't. So now let's look at where we ended the market week, because it was not only a tough week on Wall Street, it was a tough week 
in the agricultural markets as the week came to a close. The grain market, uh, soybean futures uh, moved away from the previous day's session, seven-week lows in a technical rebound today, but still posted a weekly loss. Closing prices for the day at the Board of Trade grain market, the December wheat contract down eleven and a quarter cents a bushel. Four ninety one and a half is where we'll start on Monday. December corn down seven at four oh nine and a half. And the November soybean contract ended the day well I should say higher. The other grains were higher too. They moved higher on the rebound from the lows that we saw on Thursday. But anyway, the uh, market is very susceptible to what's going on with the trade talks and right now nothing is going on with the trade talks as far as i can tell we seem to get the same story over and over again live hog futures set a nine-month low yeah here's where the lows are set a nine-month low on the chinese trade tensions and on big supplies at uh, the end of the day today, the October lean hog contract down a dollar fifty-five cents a hundredweight, after being down limit uh, the day before yesterday uh, across the board. The uh, October live cattle contract down a dollar for the day, and the October feeder cattle contract down three dollars and twenty-two cents for the day. So uh, livestock market down grain market higher as we ended this week's trade at the Chicago Board of Trade. Coming up on the calendar next week, it's Farm Fest, and that's in uh, Redwood Falls, Minnesota. It starts on August 6th, and I'll be there. Then August 27th through 29th, the Farm Progress Show at Decatur, Illinois, and August 22 through 25, the Half Century of Progress Show in Rantoul, Illinois. Busy summer, but get out and enjoy a county fair and say thank you to the 4-H and FFA members. That's our time, along with Max Armstrong, Orion Samuelson. Thank you for joining us on The Markets.